so I feel a bit like, whoo, and my shoes are off, so uh, we'll just see where we go. Um, so we are starting a new series this morning um, called Return to Splendor. And I don't know if many of you can think off the top of your head what splendor means, but it means great beauty that attracts admiration and attention. Great beauty that attracts admiration and attention. And that's what we wanted to to get across in this series around worship, is returning our hearts to a place where we're just admiring the beauty of Jesus when it comes to our singing of praise to him. When we're not admiring anything else, we're not admiring lyrics, we're not admiring an instrument, we're not admiring ourselves and how well we can sing, we're not admiring how good we're expressing our praise, we're just admiring the beauty of Jesus. And I I just want to set a disclaimer that when we're talking about worship in this series, you know, Let's just be open and recognize that that worship isn't just the moment of singing. Please don't limit worship to 30 minutes on a Sunday morning because that is not what it is. Worship is your everyday life lived in surrender to bring glory to Jesus Christ through everything, through your giving, through your time, through your words, through the time you spend with him, through your attitude, your work ethic, and through your singing. That is a life lived of worship that we are asked to to do to bring glory to God. So let's just be clear on that. But in this series, our heart, there is a heart behind it of looking at that moment of worship when we sing to Jesus. When we sing to Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I was, um, when I was preparing this talk, I've just kind of always accepted singing to Jesus as the done thing. I was like, cool, great, that's what we do. That's just part of the Christian life, we sing. And something in my head went, but why? Oh, excellente (laughs) sound effects. (laughs) They like that, why? yeah, let's ask why. But I was like, why? Why do we sing? Why did God want us to sing? Is it because he likes our voices? Probably not, because not all of us can sing in tune. Is it because he wants us to, I don't know, make up songs or play instruments or do something fun or just have a nice time together? Why? Why do we sing? What, what What is this about? And I was looking up and, you know, singing is actually referenced over 400 times in the Bible. Over 400 times singing is referenced. Singing isn't just a, a part of it, it's, it's, it's referenced a lot. And do you know that there are 50 direct commands to sing in the Bible? 50. It's not like, oh, do you do a little bit here and there. There are 50 direct commands to sing. So when I asked, why do we sing? God said, because I have commanded you to. We have not chosen this as a nice thing to add in to a Sunday, an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. We have not said and chosen and come up with this idea of singing. We did not invent singing. We did not invent having this time to to praise Jesus through singing. It is a command of God over our lives to sing to him. And I want us to just think about that for a minute. Because maybe you don't feel like a singer. Maybe you don't enjoy the bit of worship when we have to sing. You know, maybe you feel like that's not your thing or you struggle with it or you're quieter with it or it feels a bit alien or harder to you. But I want to break all those things down today. And just as there are many other commands in the Bible, you have been commanded to sing. You have been commanded as a follower of Jesus to sing. And there's actually, we can look in the New Testament, there's two references in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3, where it commands us to sing together. It commands us to sing psalm, hymns, and spiritual songs to each other. It commands us. It doesn't say if you feel like it, if you think it would add something to your service, if it fills a gap, do it. It commands us to. It says, sing, end of. Not sing if you feel like it, not sing if you like the song, not sing if you're in the mood, not sing if you've got energy, sing. Just sing. And it says, sing to each other. 
You see, there is something about singing to each other and singing with one another that's meant to unify us and help us to draw closer to Jesus, help us to focus on him. You see, I love thinking about um, when there's, there's, say there's a, like a football stadium or a crowd at any event. And you know when they start to, to sing their songs for their team and it starts with a group of people kick it off and it erupts like a wave and then suddenly the whole fan clubs are singing and it's this chorus and there's this unity and there's this shout. And I, I started thinking about that and, I, and what I love about it and it made me think of actually when I... Um, I used to live in, in Switzerland for four years when I was younger. And one of the things I really remember is my dad taking me to the FC Basel football games. And one of the things, I, I don't remember the matches or the scores or the players or anything else. I remember the moments when the crowd would sing because they would have these huge drums and it would start somewhere and it would erupt and singing would erupt. And do you know when they do it? When their team was struggling, they do it to cheer them on. And then they'd also do it when their team had been victorious. They do it to celebrate. But there was this incredible atmosphere that was created when they sung together, when they sung for something, when they wanted something to be done through their singing. When they wanted to encourage something, they sang. When they wanted to celebrate something, they sang. And I remember it because it just, it just got to me. I just, it just felt something. I, I loved that passion, that, that atmosphere that was created when this crowd unified and burst into song together. And I want us to think like that when we come together to sing on a Sunday morning. Because we're on the same team. All of us in this room, when we come in here, we're cheering for the same thing. We're for the same thing. We are worshipping the same thing. We are on the same team. So there should be this sense when we start to sing together, it's going to unify us. When we come to sing together, something's going to erupt. When we come to sing together, we're going to see victory. When we come to sing together, we're going to encourage people forward. When we come to sing together, we're not going to worry about who started it or this or that or anything else. We're just going to join in. And, you know, maybe it does start with the people who can sing better and sing a bit louder. Because that's what happens in the, you know, in the fans. The, the rowdy a lot generally get it started. But it helps others join in. I encourage you. If you're one of those people that feels like a quieter or a bit more shy or, or withdrawn or held back in singing, let the others bring you along. When we start singing louder... And, you know, we start shouting and you can hear Sam going and my voice actually broke because I couldn't shout Jesus' name loud enough today. And when you hear that happening, why don't you try it? Because no one's going to hear you in that moment. But your fellow brothers and sisters are carrying you along. They're starting the anthem for you. So let yourself join in. Let us sing together and create an anthem to Jesus when we come together on a Sunday morning. That is what it's about when we come to sing together. We're following his command to do it. And we're joining in unity to lift Jesus up. So we're going to look at a passage um, in Isaiah, and that's going to be our passage for this series. And it's Isaiah chapter 6, um, and I'm just going to read uh, the first four verses, um, but we're actually going to go through the whole chapter uh, in this series. I'm just going to read the first four this morning. So Isaiah 6, I'll stand over here so you can see the screen. Uh, it says this, Isaiah's vision of the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. Okay, so Isaiah is having a vision right now. And he sees the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now above him stood the seraphim. These are angels, FYI. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. So did you get that? This is the start of Isaiah's vision. I want you to just take a second to to picture it. He's having this, this vision and he sees the Lord sitting upon the throne. He sees the Lord sitting upon the throne. And there's seraphim right next to him. Now seraphim actually means burning ones. So we can imagine and envision these angels are burning. They're burning for Jesus. They're burning for the Lord. They're there, not, you know, just however we might picture angels, but these are burning heavenly beings worshipping the Lord on his throne. It's bright, it's dazzling, it's beautiful, it's glorious. And then there are these seraphim, and they've got six wings, and with two they're covering their face, with two they're covering their feet, and with two they're just flying. And they're hovering around the throne, and they're calling to one another. They're calling to one another, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts, and they say the Lord of hosts, it's them, it's the Lord of their hosts. They're recognizing him as their Lord, and he is holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. That is what they are shouting. You know, we know they're shouting, and they're loud, and they're ferocious. It's because it says the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. The foundations of the temple that Isaiah saw were shaking because these burning ones were proclaiming praise to the Lord. And the temple filled with smoke. Just picture this vision. How, how mighty is it? How glorious? How intense? Like I was thinking this morning, if like we just suddenly saw the Lord on his throne and there was burning angels and there, this room was full of smoke, like we'd be out of it. I don't know about you, but I'd be on my face on the floor. Like I don't know what else to do. And this vision is just, it's, it's, it's just glorious. But I want to um, focus on the characters of the seraphim today. I want us to look at the burning ones because these burning ones, they express an adoration for their Lord in this passage. We can see that they adore the Lord. We can see it. We can see that they burn for the Lord. And actually what I want us to look at today is what can we learn from the seraphim about how we can burn with a love and adoration for Jesus Christ through our praise, through our singing to him? How, what can we learn from the seraphim about how we are treating the moments when we sing to Jesus? And I also want to encourage you, this is not just for when we are singing here, you should be singing in private to Jesus as well. Because I, I do believe that your time here worshipping Jesus in public is impacted by what your time has been like worshipping him in private. Here should be an overflow of your week. Here shouldn't be where you get warmed up to go again. Here should just be the spillage over from when you've had so many incredible times praising him on your own. So when we look at these things, it's lessons for our private and it's lessons for here from when we're, we're praising in public together as well. So I've called it to help you remember, it's a little subtitle for this bit, is Lessons from the Seraphim. We're going to look at Lessons from the Seraphim this morning. Why don't you say Seraphim? Seraphim. It's a fun word, hey? Say burning ones. Say I'm going to be a burning one. Oh, you can say that with a little bit more conviction, come on. I'm going to be a burning one. Yes, we are. We're going to be the burning ones. I feel like I'm leading a charge. (laughs) We're going to be the burning ones. Anyway, but that's what I want us to aim for today. These seraphim burn for the Lord. And we can learn from them about how to actually express that we love Jesus. 
Because people should be able to see that we love Jesus when we sing to him. And I think sometimes, like, I don't know if we'd even know that we really love and adore Jesus by how we sing to him. Like, you know, if you love someone, you express it. Liam very much knows this. He put, I'm like the clinger in the relationship, physically. <laughs> it's fine. I'm absolutely fine with admitting it. I'm comfortable in myself and confident that that's my role. But like, I have to, you know, sometimes I have to be like, hey, like, is it okay if I like come hug you now? <laughs> and like discern his personal space needs. But I'm like, but I just have to express my love. Like, why wouldn't I? I love him so much. So I have to, that's how I want to show it. And I, we love the Lord so much. So why wouldn't we have an expresses praise of singing to him why would we let it be dull and boring no no singing to Jesus is not dull boring it's it's not a duty it's an expression of love for your Lord so we're going to look at lessons from the seraphim are you good you ready to have some lessons and learn from the burning ones so my first lesson from the seraphim is be at the throne Be at the throne. You see, the seraphim were above the throne that the Lord was sitting on. So there's a suggestion, there's a proximity of closeness to the throne of these seraphim. They weren't at a distance to their Lord. How willing are you in praise and worship to Jesus How willing are you to get close to the throne when you sing to him? What I mean by that is how willing are you to let down your guard? How willing are you to push into areas that feel uncomfortable? How willing are you to let go of your ideas, your barriers, your walls? How willing are you to be pushed into a new space? To be fully revealed in the light of him? Because imagine if you were right by that throne with these burning ones, there's no hiding in darkness there. You are exposed, it's bright, the light is on you. And part of our praise should be pushing into that space. Let me tell you something, I think and believe that our praise should progress as we progress as followers of Jesus. If you praise Jesus the same as you did 10 years ago, you need to be looking at your journey of where you're at with praising him. Because my praise journey has looked different. I I worship Jesus in a new space now than I did three years ago. And that should be what happens for us as followers and believers of him. You shouldn't feel the same in praise as you did two years ago with Jesus. There should be a progression towards the throne where you're willing to be exposed and vulnerable and let down your guard and get uncomfortable and just flipping well, get out of your comfort zone and push into the place that is closer to the throne of Jesus. That's where these seraphim abide. They're near him. They burn, they just, they, I just imagine they just like almost can't get enough of how close they could get to him. The awe and wonder that that brings. So when we sing to Jesus as praise, as worship of him, can we please let down the barriers? Can we please get uncomfortable? Can we please be willing to just push through the, the things that have held us back and go on a journey with it? I remember when, you know, I, I first, like, fu- I fully gave my heart to Jesus and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I did go on a journey with it. And, I, you know, you start and you do a little bit here and then you raise your hand a bit higher and then, whoa, you've got both hands in the air. And then, like, you just go on this journey, but that isn't like a journey of, like, I'm praising Jesus now because I've got two hands in the air. I've got it sorted. It's about what's going on in your heart towards praising Jesus. Because now, I can't help how much I move when I praise Jesus. I physically, something, I can't help it. I can't help how loud I want to sing sometimes because it doesn't feel enough to praise my Lord. And your journey should be a journey of freedom in worship to him. A freedom of how close you're willing to get to the throne to express your praise to your Lord. You should get to a place of freedom in your praising of Jesus, in private and in public. So second lesson, I have five, so I'm going to like be snappy. You're going to keep up with me? Are you going to keep up with me? 
Okay, I'm 50% convinced. Second one is express an attitude of reverence. Express an attitude of reverence. You see, the seraphim, as we've read, remember their six sets of wings? And they had two covering their face and two covering their feet. And this was actually a sign of reverence towards who they were in the presence of. You see, they covered their face because they realized how glorious the Lord was. They realized his, his dazzling beauty. There was a reverence about, gosh, like, I know how bright this God is. Like, you know, I must be reverent before him because I realize how glorious and bright and splendid he is. I remember these are heavenly beings, yet they are covering their faces because they realize who it is that they are coming into the presence of. And they cover their feet as a sign of reverence as well because they didn't want any part that they thought could be even slightly unworthy to be in the presence of the Lord. Because they had a reverence of who it is that they were singing to. What do we bring into our singing to Jesus? Have we just gossiped about someone and then next minute we're lifting our hands and saying, Lord bless you? Do we have an unrepentant heart to sin that's happened in our week? Are we bringing that into the presence of the Lord when we come to sing to him? Do we actually have a true revelation within us of who we're coming into the presence of? You see, you wouldn't rock up and see the queen in your dirty trackies and a pair of socks and like a hoodie. You get dressed up. It's proper attire. And I'm not talking about the physical here. I'm talking about your heart for when you're coming in to praise your king, the king of kings, the Lord sitting on the throne. There should be a reverence in our hearts. Actually, what am am I carrying into this worship time? What am I letting come into the presence of the Lord when I sing to him? Are we judging do we have hard hearts to anyone around us? <laughs> they like that point, eh? We need to think about what we're bringing in to our time of praise with the Lord. Because it's a sacred time. Remember, it isn't just a nice idea we put in to make a program. It's a command. And we're worshipping our Lord, Lord. He's the Lord sitting on the throne and there should be an expression of an attitude of reverence when we sing to him. And you see, that's where, um, just like a little explainer, that's where sometimes a change of physical posture can help you because it just, it just reminds you. That's why I get on my knees sometimes. It's why you might see people when they lie down with their face to the floor. Because it's a a reminder of how unworthy I am. Before Christ made me worthy. I bring nothing. I bring nothing. This is about you. I will show and display and express an attitude of reverence when I sing to the Lord. Because I know who he is. High up and seated on the throne. And I will check my heart before I start singing to him. I will check what's going on in it so that I can express an attitude of reverence to him. So be at the throne, express an attitude of reverence. Thirdly, be ready to follow his commands. Be ready to follow his commands. You see, the the angels had uh, a pair of wings that they used to fly. Do you like my flying action? (laughs) I was going to get angel wings, but I thought it would be way too distracting. Um, They had a pair of wings that they used to fly. And uh, when you read commentaries around this, the suggestion is that, you know, they had these, these two sets of wings that they used to show adoration and reverence, and one set that was ready to fly and go off and do the commands of the Lord. Because you know the angels carry out and they help do the work of the Lord here on this earth. So they're ready. 
they're flying. They're not sitting down like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever, like in a minute, I'll get my flying wings going soon, but I've just got to be. No. They're like, Lord, you know, I'm ready to go. Whatever you say, I'm going to go. Whatever you do, I'm going to go there. Whatever your direction is, I'm going. I'm ready. I'm ready. I want us to be prepared to go wherever the Lord is going in our time of praise on a Sunday morning. Do you have a preconceived idea about how your worship's going to go? Are you ready and willing to go where God leads us, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it doesn't make sense to you, even if it's a bit weird or it's a bit uncomfortable or whatever you might decide to label it? Are you ready and willing to just go where he asks you to go in the time of praise when we come together? Or are your metaphorical flying wings packed down? And you're like, no, I'm good. Like, I like a couple of these songs. I know what I need. I know what I would like to receive from God. So I'm just going to do what I know I need to do. But actually, God might have a different idea for you in a time of praise to him. So are you ready to follow God in a time of worship? Are you ready for God to just wreck what you had planned? That you were just going to sit there, feel good, stay the same, not be changed in any way and walk out? Are you ready? And I mean it truly because I want this church, I desire this expression of Christ's body to be a people that are willing to just go where he goes during our time of praise to him. That we don't dictate it. Remember, I bring nothing. I want to get out of the way. I would love all of us to get out of the way of dictating the direction of praise on a Sunday morning. Let God command us. And that comes through following people like the worship leader, people like Liam or I standing up. So as a body, when that happens, trust that they have heard where God is going and follow. Don't resist. Don't think, oh, that's, that's not sure about that. Go. Go with them. Find out where God is leading us to. For me, I think of practical things in that way of like, I know sometimes like, People like Maria will, they'll, f- they'll find a refrain. They'll, they'll come up with a sponta- spontaneous couple lines. For me, I'm like, I catch hold of that. I'm like, hey, I think, you know, she's been put in that place to hear from God, to help us be aware of his presence, to praise him, praise our Lord. So I'm going to follow what God is saying through her in that moment. I would love all of us to get to that place because I think there's something powerful that happens if we would just follow the moment where God has breathed, where he's decided to command us to go, it would unlock so much more for us. But that takes being uncomfortable. That takes being willing to surrender your ideas and your thoughts and and your attitude towards a time of praise. So let's be a people who are ready to follow his commands in a time of worship to him. Is that good? Do you get that? Great. So be at the throne, express an attitude of reverence, be ready to follow his commands. Fourth one, which is going to sound obvious, but I'll talk about a bit more, is make it about him. Make it about him. You see, when the seraphim call to one another, they just talk about the Lord. (laughs) They just say, holy, holy, holy. And they don't say holy once or twice. They say it three times. And in Hebrew, they used repetition to intensify what it is that they were trying to say. Saying it's holy, holy, holy. They can't intensify it enough as to what they're trying to say about who the Lord is. Is the Lord of hosts and the whole earth is full of his glory. You see, when they're calling to one another, they're making it about the Lord. Please, please don't make praising Jesus about you. And I think it can happen real subtly. I think we can think, yeah, I've got that down. Of course I make it about him. I sing his name. I sing the songs that are about him. 
but don't make it about your preferences. How often, me included, you can think, not sure about this song. I don't know it very well. feels a bit hard to sing. In that moment, it's become not about the Lord. In that moment, you have stopped it being about him and you've made it about you. Don't let it be about your desires. I read a quote uh, from a worship leader that uh, we got to meet when Liam and I went to Nigeria. She's an incredibly humble, just stunning woman of God. And she said this, sounds really simple, but it really hit me. She said, worship isn't me time. Worship is his time. And that made me think because I, can, I hear people and they say, oh, I just need a time of worship. I just need some time singing. And I was like, hmm, worship isn't me time. Worship is his time. Worship isn't about what I can get. Worship is about what I can give to him. Worship isn't about making me feel good or, or, or finding my preferences. Worship is about finding his preferences, lifting him up, making him known, not my desires, making him known, not making me known, making him known. So please can we work on, as a people of Christ, to make our, our singing our praising of Jesus about him purely. And I tell you, this will really help you if you can just get it down to focusing on Jesus in a time of worship. Because when, when Liam and I were in Nigeria, and he's mentioned this, we were at that conference that lasted nine hours, and we had a 25-minute break. And, you know, you'd go to, to worship again, and you'd be like, oh my goodness, I just don't know if I've got it in me. Because they worship, like, they move. And you are expected to move, otherwise you stand out way more than you already do. And you have to get involved. And do you know what helped me the most? It wasn't me being like, oh, okay, I'm going to let this song help me. Da, 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 da. I'm, you know, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to try my best. It was remembering who I was doing it for. Because why wouldn't I push past fatigue? Why wouldn't I feel pain in my feet because I've been in heels all day, but I'll stand anyway because praising Jesus is about him? Why wouldn't I push past my discomfort? Why wouldn't I make myself just go through the feeling of being uncomfortable? Why wouldn't I push past the feeling of feeling a bit intimidated because they can dance and sing a lot better than I can? Why wouldn't I push past it though? Because it's not about me, it's about him. It is not about me, it's about him. Please, please, church, can we not make worship about ourselves? It is about him. It is about the holy, holy, holy Lord. That is who we are singing to. That is who we're coming before. When you sing, when you lift up those words, that's who they're going to. So how are you treating that time? Make it about him and push through. Push through the stuff that tries to make it about you. And the final one. So be at the throne. Express an attitude of reverence. Be ready to follow his commands. Make it about him. The final one is desire the atmosphere to change. Desire the atmosphere to change. You see, the seraphim caused the foundations to shake and smoke filled the house. That's a different atmosphere to if everything was just still and there was no smoke. Their praise of the Lord shifted a physical structure. Their praise of the Lord changed the atmosphere that they were in. Their praise of the Lord caused the physical presence of the Lord to manifest in this cloud. Because they think it relates to, you know, when the cloud went before the Israelites through the desert. Their praise caused the atmosphere to change. 
that's what I want for us. Don't you want that? I don't want to walk out of here and it have been the same as when we started. I want to have got to the end of the praise and feel absolutely that I have given every possible thing I could have given to the Lord and something has changed. I want to see people shake because they, they're just overcome with being in the presence of the Lord through praising him. I want to see people healed when we're singing because we're ushering in the, pre the presence so much. We're aware of it. We're desiring the atmosphere to change through our praises. I want people to be weeping and kneeling and lying down. I want there to be a change of atmosphere when we praise Jesus. I want people to feel released into dancing to express the joy that Jesus brings to them. I want the atmosphere to change church when we praise. I don't want it to stay the same. I want something to be different when we come to the end of our worship set. I desire the atmosphere to shift when we praise the Lord. And I want us to believe that that is possible. Do you believe that people can get healed when you just sing? Do you? Do you believe that your chains can be broken and dropped off of you when you just sing? Do you believe you can be set free from that sin that's been bound, bound you up for years but can go in a moment when you just sing to the Lord? Do you believe that you can walk out of here and get a message from a family member that something has changed in that situation because you chose to sing to the Lord? Physical. I, I believe it. Our praise of Jesus can shift things physically. Not just here, but out there too. Do you believe that actually we could see the walls of this place shake? Didn't the prison shake when they were singing in it? It's happened before, why not again? Paul is no different to us. We are filled with the same Holy Spirit, but he just got on with praising him. It wasn't about him, it was about the Lord. He desired an atmosphere to change. Do you desire the atmosphere to change when we praise? Do you believe in the power of a saint? praising the Lord do you believe it do you believe that when you sing to the Lord as a saint of his it can command the physical around you to actually change oh yeah <laughs> thanks Paul good sound effect <laughs> do you believe it because I think if you did, you would praise differently on a Sunday morning. If you believed that your praise was going to shift whatever was going on around you, you'd praise a little differently. If you didn't see it as just 30 minutes of a bit of a sing-song together, you'd praise a little differently. If you didn't see these songs as just you know, just songs that have been written by some human that we're now singing because they've got good lyrics and they go with our sermon series and, and they're uplifting and encouraging. No, we are using these words to glorify God. That is what we are doing when we sing these songs. But have a mindset shift when you're singing. As a singing saint of God, you can physically change the atmosphere. And I desire that for this church. I deeply desire that for this church. And I want to encourage you with one last story to do with this point, which I think you've probably heard before. But it's to do with the, um, something happened in the country of Estonia called the Estonian Singing Revolution. Just pointed to my Estonian, Bruce Estonian. <laughs> the Estonian singing revolution. And I, I love this story so much. Because you see, the Estonians, they were, they were going to be coming under fire. 
They were going to be coming under attack. They were, you know, being uh, bombarded. And they gathered in the open public places and they sang together. They gathered together and they sang. And do you know what happened? Is that not one person was lost and they got their country back. Whereas in neighboring countries where they chose to fight and take it into their own hands, people were killed and it was way more destructive. Estonia sang and shifted the atmosphere. And I don't even know if all of them were doing that and they were Christians. Probably not. But to me, if I'm like, if non-Christians can sing and shift an atmosphere in that way, hang on, how much more so can a person filled with the power of the Holy Spirit following Jesus and praising the Lord of Lords shift an atmosphere when we sing and I want us to treat our time of praise in that way. For you in your private time with him, I believe you can see all those things in your alone time with Jesus when you sing to him. And please do it in private as well, because that helps you. I've sung spontaneous songs to Jesus in private long before I ever did it in public with others. So when you do that with him, you can do it elsewhere. But please take on board these things for our time of singing together as a chorus, unified at God's people, lifting an anthem to him on a Sunday morning. Not having a nice sing song, lifting an anthem, having a war cry, seeking victory as we sing to the Lord on a Sunday morning. So those five lessons, be at the throne, Express an attitude of reverence. Be ready to follow his commands. Make it about him and desire the atmosphere to change. And if we can go after those things in this church, who knows what God has ahead for us in our times of praising him? Who knows what he has ahead for us? What's the time? Okay. I want us to do one thing. Uh, Maria, would you join me on the keys? Uh, and I'm going to give you the time to do it now as Maria's getting set up. I just want to do one thing just for a couple minutes because I want to seal this in you before you rush out and get on with your Sunday. Um, I'm going to give you 30 seconds or so and I want you to change your physical uh, posture or area that you are in in some way. So I want you to either come if you feel like you want to kneel, if you feel like you want to stand or hold out your hands. I want you to get in a different space in the room because we're just going to spend a couple minutes singing and I just want you to shift something in yourself that when you've received a word, you then put yourself in a place to let it be sealed in your spirit. So I want you to change the space that you're in. That's everyone in the room, please. Change the space that you are in. You can go to the back, you can come to the front, you can go to the sides. This whole room can be used to glorify the Lord. It's not just in your seat. Every space can become His. I want you to take a moment and picture what Isaiah saw. The Lord seated on the throne. Hey, the Lord is here right now your Saviour, your King, your Lord is here right now and He sees you and He's looking at you and He's waiting for His children to lift up a cry of genuine, heartfelt, passionate, overflowing worship to Him, to demonstrate to Him how much it is that they adore Him, how much it is that they love Him. Do you love Jesus? He's like, can you let your praises show me how much it is that you love me? Please, children, show me. Please, children, show me. And as you picture that, 
start singing. Sing from that point of view. You're in your own space now. Sing to your Saviour. Sing because it is a command for you as a child of God. Sing and make it about Him. Sing and let go and get uncomfortable because He's worth it. up one last time to him. Jesus, we declare before you in your presence to our Lord, that we will be followers of you, that sing to you, that express our adoration and love we have for you through our singing. Holy Spirit, help us to always make it about Jesus. Help us to get closer to the throne. Help us to be reverent. Help us to understand and have a revelation for who it really is we are singing to, whose presence we are walking into when we sing to Him, who it is that we are lifting up, how holy He is, how perfect He is, our Saviour, that He is a King, He is royal. Holy Spirit, help us, help us, help us. Help us to be willing to go where you command us in times of praise, to follow you. And help us, Holy Spirit, to have a belief that when we sing, the atmosphere will shift and change. I pray that for every person in this room right now, that you would truly believe and therefore have a different attitude when it comes to praising Jesus, that your praises to Him can shift and change the atmosphere. Lord, we offer all of this up to you. This is all to glorify you, God. We pray, seal in our hearts what it is that you have done today. Let us push forward and not get lazy. Let us push forward and not get comfortable. Let us push forward and not get familiar or apathetic. But let us take this and go forward with it. 
I pray that people in their weeks, in their private times, would have spectacular moments of praising you, where they're overwhelmed in your presence, where they're free. I pray they dance alone with you, Jesus, singing joyful songs. I pray for a release in this room of the spontaneous spirit songs that you wanna release through your people. I pray for songs to be released that are gonna be written by the people in this room. I pray you release it through the power of your Holy Spirit in these people. Lord, would you claim back a desire and an energy and a passion for singing that the enemy may have stolen from some people. We come against the enemy where they've taken away someone's ability to sing freely through whatever lie that the enemy has sown. I come against it in the name of Jesus. These people would be free to sing to you, Lord. We will enjoy singing to you, Jesus. We will enjoy it. And we will recognize the moment for what it is. Lord, would you bless everyone in this room? Bless their weeks. But I do pray, bless them with private moments of praising you. I thank you for who you are, Lord, and that we can sing and that you desire us to sing. Thank you for gifting us with that. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, I hope you, uh, you have a good week, church. I do encourage you, have some private time singing with Jesus. Uh, and remember, we've got the Wisdom Day on Saturday, this Saturday coming up, 11 a.m. at the Runnymede Hotel.